This is Bubba, a.k.a. J. Edgar Hoover, and I just wanted to say that Christmas time is upon us. We're here and happy and proud as white Christian Americans to be able to sit back and listen to some of our favorite Christmas time jingles. But the liberal media and the black delegation is trying to convince you that somehow some of the classic jingles that we used to listen to are sexist or misogynistic or objectify women. Uh, I mean, just, just take this classic, for example. I really can't but stay. But baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go but away. But baby, it's cold outside. This evening is been open at you. that jingle that's good christian white christmas music what they really want you to do and what they're trying to convince you to do is listen to this boogity boogity jungle bunny music even though it's christmas time and we're supposed to be celebrating jesus christ they want to sing songs to have you all wet and moist in the undergarments I can hear the melanin on the vocals. And now, the sponsors are making me turn this thing over to some brothers-in-law podcast. Brothers-in-law. I get a nagging suspicion that those two guys just aren't full of white Christian Anglo-Saxon values. Not that I'm a racist. But anyways, without further delay, here they are. Merry Christmas to you from me, my little girl Susie, my wife Becky, and all the white Christian Anglo-Saxon Southern Baptists. We wish you nothing but peace and prosperity. What's going on, everybody? Glad to have you back on here. Uh, for all of you all who loved us when we were barely, barely legal, this is episode 21. We're finally of age. Uh, <laughs> we, we have matured. Uh, as always, this is your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I'm here with the world's foremost legal humorist, Sean Carter. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Yeah, so we, we've had a pretty busy uh, two-week period in entertainment. 
Uh, particularly, we've got a, a number of people who now are kind of digging in the crates and going back in the archives and in the DJ booth and realizing that some of the songs that people have been uh, enjoying with their families at Christmas time may have a slight element of rape in it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is one way to put it. It's certainly in the song we're going to talk, we're talking about if it's specifically, because by the way, um, you know, that element of, of uh, assault or at least uh, sexual aggression, let's put it that way, uh, is certainly not new or, or unique to this song. But this one song I think is, is sort of really gotten people's ire. And that's baby. It's cold outside. Right. It is cold outside. <laughs> Don't go. Don't stay. Please drink more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, the interesting thing about it, though, is let's be clear. All right. Sales have soared. All right. According to uh, at least one source here, Fox News, so we can believe them for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but according to them, uh, they, 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 I want to get some numbers here. They say that streaming. All right. Um, first of all, um, one version of the song, uh, Martin's version, D. Martin's version, is up 40, 54% to 8.2 million streams uh, last okay. week. Um, and so we're getting a bunch of, bunch of streams. Uh, there's a bunch of covers to this. And by the way, I can't believe the number of people who have covered this song. And let's be clear. Forget we, before we even get into the, you know, the propriety of the song and whether it's appropriate or not, let's be clear. Let's all acknowledge this. I think we all acknowledge this. This song sucks. <laughs> it is not a good melody. It is not a good... I, I heard a version Ray Charles did uh, with, with a sister named Carter. Now, I got to go with Sister Carter, right? And Ray not Charles, right? right? You know, how you going to be any better than Ray Charles? And I still were like, Ray, I, I love you, but that sucked. <laughs> the song at one point Ray's playing the piano and it looks like he just sort of drifts off like he just you know I'm, I'm sick of playing this piano this damn song I can't tell the re, the, the you know the, what the accompaniment is like, if, the, if they're even you know just piecing it together it is horrible uh, and so for that reason alone I can't believe anybody is fighting to keep this song on air but hey, man, obviously people have a problem with it is one of the fundamental songs that are actually the foundation of white Christmas. This is that's what, this is what Anglo-Saxon Christmas but, is. Thing, maybe it is white, white Christmas, but tell me this. How many times had you heard the song before this week? Um, well, I actually grew up on this song. I've heard this uh, whenever I was in mixed company. This song would come on at, at department stores, while you're shopping, while you're in line waiting for Santa Claus. This was was what everywhere kind of, when I was growing up. Really? Yeah. I, mean, I, I must have missed being black. I must have. I, I don't remember ever when I heard the song the first time. Here's the thing: they said "Baby's Cold Outside." I thought it was actually "White Christmas," right? Okay. Where it's cold outside and white. Same, you know, that, same uh, guy. Same, same guy, right? Same guy, right? Being cross. Oh my god, this is "White Christmas." What, what's the problem with "White Christmas"? Right? I mean, other than it's white, but other than that, you know, that, that's fine. I, I can live with that. Um, and then I find out that, it, that 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 it's a totally different song, and I I don't remember if it's just me, but I was like, this is the first time I'm hearing this song, and now I know why. I've been boycotting it for the last fifty years and didn't even know it. <laughs> so all of you doing a boycott now, don't don't. I, I was I was me too before me too. All right, I, I was me one. All right, that's who I am. All right, because I was boycotting <laughs> this a long time ago. Hey man, people in the fifties thought Bean Crosby was R. Kelly. That was- <laughs> 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 
you know, and that's the other thing about it, you know, right? And, and, and you know, just so we're clear, you know, the problem people have with it is that the woman is trying, wants to leave, or I should, and the woman is saying and protesting, I should leave, I should leave. He's trying to talk her into staying. She seems to be somewhat reticent in the sense that, you know, every once in a while she'll go, oh, maybe, maybe, this is, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And he's obviously putting a lot of pressure on her. Right. And so the, the, the thought now is, I think it's, it's appropriate is that when a woman says no, even if you think, you know, there's no more, oh, I know she said no, but she thinks yes. If she says no, it means no. All right. You know, get the woman an Uber and, and, and be done with it. All right. Don't keep, keep trying to think, oh, no, no, she really wants it. If she said no, she meant no. All right. And let it go. <laughs> he was, he was, he was landed on thick. He was oh. landed on thick. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, if you've ever seen somebody who is swaggerless, try to talk to a girl at a nightclub or whatever the case may be. And, you know, you, you try not to laugh at him because you know he's going to cry in the car. <laughs> you just see like over and over again, they, they continue to try to find the one piece of common ground. That's that song. But baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> when everything else fell. But it, you know it's still cold outside. Right. <laughs> You're right. As if, like, for instance, so here's the crazy thing is he also goes to, I'm looking at the second verse here, right? And when you pitched it earlier, she said, the neighbors might think, he says, baby, it's bad out there. Say, what's in this drink? No, right. cab, right. no cabs to be had out there. We can't get you an Uber, girl. Uber, Uber's, Uber, Uber's down, right? The website is down, girl. You got to walk out in that cold, right? Right. Now, say what's in that drink. Let's be clear. I don't think he's talking about a roofie. He's talking, she's saying, well, how much liquor did you put in here? And we need to talk about this because this is the thing that, all right, used to be fair game. All right. To, 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 to make the drink strong. You couldn't put, you know, you couldn't Cosby it. All right. But, but, but if it would just happen to be a double, triple, right? That, you know, that was considered fair game. I think we've gotten to the point of realizing that that's still, all right. That, that's Cosby light, but it's still a Cosby ish. All right, activity, and you don't want to try. But but let's be clear here. This thing is, we have places in this country, several of them, that are made for just this purpose to get a woman enough alcohol that she, we lower her consent, but she doesn't pass out completely. And by the way, we have a name for them. You know what we call them? Bars. Bars, nightclubs, plum crazies. <laughs> Taverns. joints. Yeah, you go real bad. You go really deep in there. You know, wherever you happen to be, right? And, and, and the idea is like, you know, it's Apple my you know, an Apple teeny doesn't cost fourteen dollars because there's fourteen dollars of Apple and teeny in there. Right? It's, really, <laughs> it's because you think later it's gonna be worth your fourteen dollars, right? <laughs> and, and, and sadly, you know, that's still part of our culture now. You know, we haven't got mm-hmm. we, we, we haven't got rid of that part, right? And, and so hopefully we learn not to beg as much. But, you know, the idea is that we also need to probably really work on this idea that, you know, in the future, you know, you know, it's not going to be cool, right, to, to be, you know, to, to, to be trying to, you know, use alcohol as uh, your wingman. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I, I want to present a, a counterpoint to that mm-hmm. because I, I think I've seen both sides of this equation. So you've got other people who they would never buy. Uh, a, a woman that they don't know already, any kind of alcoholic beverage out of mostly fear of even being accused of, of trying to, you know, liquor somebody up to do anything immoral. 
Uh, and maybe because they actually want to get to know her or whatever. And I've seen people who go up and ask for phone numbers or try to talk to women. Women be like, you ain't even buy me a drink. So uh, <laughs> you get made to feel like, you know, you're not even upholding your basic entry level standards of masculinity <laughs> to do this. So I think one of the things that, that you know, when people have these conversations and, and, you know, guys sometimes say, well, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to discredit that uh, altogether because I think sometimes it can be confusing if you're like, well, I don't know, do I buy a drink and then look like I'm coming off like creepy or do I not buy a drink and then not feel like I'm, I'm subscribing to whatever element of, of masculinity right. she would expect in order to get the number. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of these things, it's facts and circumstances, right? So, Obviously, if you are at a church function, it's probably not a good idea to buy her a, a shot of Henny. It's probably not <laughs> probably not the time um, while you're in worship service to buy a shot of Henny. Now, on the other side, if she is already at a nightclub and she is with her friends and she's having drinks, maybe a drink is not a bad idea to break the ice and introduce yourself. And I guess the other assumption is, that men make is that the the woman is going to know what she can and can't handle, and she's going to choose what she will or will not drink. Right. So, and, and when I say men, I'm talking about decent, normal men. I'm not talking about men who are like roofing and drinks and all that stuff. I'm talking about decent, normal, regular guys <laughs> who are not rapists. Right. So, um, so you, you may not know. And I think part of the issue and flaw in dating in and of itself is that all these unwritten rules are very difficult to navigate because they might be completely different between two different women who you're talking to, right? right? So one woman might say, oh yeah, bring on the drinks, let's have conversations, get to know each other. Another woman might say, ew, you offer me a drink, get away from me, you're creepy. And you don't know which way it's going to turn out, but you're trying to put yourself in the best light to make the best first impression. Right. And, and you know, and maybe, you know, this is going to be a radical idea, but as grown folks, we're going to have to learn to talk to each other. Oh no, 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 I know exactly. But you know, but basically say, hey, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think you're cute. Am I handsome? Um, and, um, by the way, and of course the answer with me is always yes. And then be like, look, <laughs> you know, I don't, even the conversation you just had, I really, you know, don't even know how to approach this, right? If, would you like me to buy a drink? If not, that's fine. You know, I mean, like to basically have a conversation and 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 you know and, and allow, you know. And I think this is going to be the thing is is that we're going to have to sort of and this is going to be hard for all of us. I think men and women is to let women take the lead in this thing, mm. right? And normally it's been like you know, the man pursues, right? And we like reverse, you know. And, and I think even now a lot of women be uncomfortable if you said, "What would you like?" It's like I, I don't know what I, you know. You're supposed to handle this, right? Right, but it's right. like, no, 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 I need you to handle this because like you, you know, <laughs> you know, we, you know, you don't want any misunderstandings. Right. And the one way to make sure we have no misunderstanding is, is like, you know what, we do what you want, you know, on your pace. Now that requires, you know, people to be able to have grown up conversations. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, which is hard. Um, but my theory about it, quite frankly, is that if you can't have a grown up conversation, you probably should, should not be in, in somebody's place naked. Well, see, and that that's going to be problematic for the ugly guys who know <laughs> they're trying to have a conversation with uh, a nice, attractive young lady is probably not going to happen. Uh, and, you know, I, and I'll say this, you know, we, we had a little fun uh, with this on Facebook 
right. but even from personal experience, like there have been uh, at least there's been at least one woman who I was not attracted to, but found other qualities amazing, such as her desire to cook. You know, her <laughs> desire to cook, and she cooked very delicious uh, entrees. Her smothered pork chops were to die for. Uh, and, and so I think that you can easily say, well, maybe you start overlooking things. Things get hazy. Things, you know. Man, you, man I got you. might look like Halle Berry at that point. You realize your ass is a, is a pork chop hole, right? <laughs> <laughs> you would put out some pork chops. <laughs> you, you ain't no good at all. <laughs> at least get you a diamond out of it. Damn, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, you know, I did, and and, and it was worth every moment, you know. <laughs> you know, but here's the, you know, I, I'm looking at the lyrics of this song, and one of the things that that you know, and we talked about this like episode three, we're talking about Aziz, I'm sorry, and right, <laughs> and, and and basically it's like the third verse. She starts. She says, she says, I simply must go. He said, baby, it's cold outside. She said, the answer is no. Right. But baby, it's cold. No, no, no. When she says that, right? <laughs> the only answer after that is, uh, but baby, how the hell you get out of my house? All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. I don't mean rudely, but I mean, how do we get you out of here, get you safe to where you're supposed to be? Because obviously you have said no. But then here's the thing is, so, she, you know, she, he says, she says the welcome has been, he says, how lucky that you dropped in. So nice and warm. She said the weather welcome has been so nice and warm. He says, look out the window at that storm. She says, well, no, no, no. So she starts changing again. My mom, my sister will be suspicious. Gosh, your lips, lip, lips look delicious. My brother will be there at the door. <laughs> Waves upon a tropical shore, he says. My, my, my aunt, my maiden aunt's mind is vicious. He says again, gosh, your lips are delicious. And then she says, well, maybe just a cigarette more. He tries to assure her and says, never such a blizzard before. Here's what she says. And I don't even smoke. Hmm. Right, so. <laughs> and, 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 and and so you see that there is this him and haw, right, going right. back and forth. But my theory is, and I think you know, I don't think this is a particularly enlightening thing, is that unless the woman is absolutely sure, unless both of you are absolutely sure, this isn't the kind of thing where you should be, you know, you know, taking a chance on tomorrow somebody being regret regretting this. Right, right? that's not going to do anybody any good. All right. You know, so, you know what, if, you know, one of you is, is hesitant and just back off, you, 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 they weren't, they weren't going off to war. Right. You see, you see a Tuesday. Right? <laughs> and, and here's why, you know, if from a practical standpoint or right, as a man, because, you know, you don't want to ever have that question come up. All right. Later of someone legitimately saying, Hey, I was, you know, conflicted. I didn't really want to, et cetera. Are right? you want enthusiastic consent? From both of your standpoints, just from an enjoyment standpoint, maybe I'm wrong here, but I think uh, an enthusiastic sex is a lot better than uh, <laughs> all right. But 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 hurry up, the Uber's on the way. Like who the hell wants to do that? And, and, and you know, and this thing is this guy almost to me is like a 16 year old boy, where you know he's so desperate to 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 to, to have sex that he's willing to. You know, I, I, I'm I'm grown now. Right, I, 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 you know, if if my if my lovely wife says to me, ah, uh, you know, hurry up, I've got the carpool in the morning. We're gonna wait till another time, right? Because right. <laughs> I think about, I live with this woman. I don't want to, you know, want to stress, you want to, you know, rush her, you know, into something tonight, 
right? And so yeah. my theory about that is like, you know what, just be, you know, talked about it and say, hey, you know what, the jewel is something that you know you are really, really interested in. Hey, we're good. I got the I got the internet, right? <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man. Whenever I hear this song, what what automatically comes to my mind is white privilege because Bing Crosby is saying these things with such confidence that he's just like it. Really doesn't. It's almost like he's not even listening to anything that she's saying. No. in the song, he's just saying, "Well, but it's cold outside. But it's cold right. outside." She's like. I don't have health care coverage, but it's called us. He's never been in a situation where police are actually going to come up and believe what the accuser said against him, whether or not this happened uh, or, or not. And I think Ben, ben Crosby has this air of confidence. I mean, this is this is a, a rich white man in right. was it the 50s, 60s. You know, not a care in the world. <laughs> well, I think it goes back, the song goes back to 1949, right? So 70 years ago. Okay. And, right. and you're absolutely right. Now, do you know what the last line here is? It's amazing. Okay. So, he, so she gets to the end and, and she's like, look, you know what? I really can't stay. You know, the people are going to talk. There's going to be talk tomorrow. At least they're going to be implied. And he's like, you know, she, she says, at least there'll be plenty implied. In other words, people are going to think I did if I stay here, right? So I got to go. Right. He writes, well, if you caught an pneumonia and died, it'd be worse, right? Like, <laughs> like you're going to die. If you leave. <laughs> she says, I really can't yeah. stay. He says, get over that old out. All right. In other words, stop, stop telling me that. Right. And then she says, baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Okay, fine. Just another drink then. And then he says, that took a lot of convincing. And I'm like, damn, right? You know, I mean, it's not like a thing where he he's 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 thinking that she, you know, he knows he's had to talk her into this, right? right. Absolutely. And the interesting thing about it is, there was a time where, as men, idiots, but as men, we thought that that was game, right? You think about how many times you say, "I talked a woman out of her clothes," right? That that that, that was that was that was the thing, right? And hopefully, we've beyond gotten past that. That you know what, she should actually want to take off your clothes. Right, and if she doesn't, then you know what? You need to find somebody else. All right, there's no need in the world in the 21st century. All right, we got the internet. All right, for you to be trying to talk somebody who don't want to sleep with you into sleep with you. <laughs> we got the internet. All right, don't do that. Right, and and just some key points for the song. Notice that he never at one point asked her about her comfort level or how she's doing. Or what her name is, or you know, <laughs> and I just want to put this out to the fellows out there. I mean, it helps to get to know a person. Uh, sometimes that may that may encourage someone to want to get to know you, and maybe that'll you know spark something that's even better that you didn't anticipate. But you certainly won't get anywhere if your focus is on meteorology for all four minutes of the freaking song. You're talking about <laughs> it's cold outside. It's cold outside. Um, <laughs> I mean, here's what I just don't see, you know, so figure from just a selfish standpoint, let's say, for instance, you're just an idiot and didn't care about what the woman thought. All right. But just from your standpoint, as you know, at the very least, if, if she decides to go to bed with you, she's going to be watching the clock every minute. Make sure it's not right. getting too late. Worrying right. about, you know, her, her hair and, 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 and lipstick are, are going to be messed up because, you know, she got to go home and talk to all these people who are going to be waiting for her. Right. right. How good is that going to be? 
It depends on the perspective. I guess if you ask Ben Crosby that, it's good for me. You know, it's it was important when I look at, at Bing and I'm just like, you know, and, and I don't know what the, the proper term for it is in, in these days, but like in our day, we would call it, you know, he's a buster. Like, like who, what kind of, what kind of dweeb dork, whatever the term, you know, would just be satisfied with, you know, with some woman who's sitting there like, all right, two minutes, hurry up. Right, I'm just going to, you know, pull, pull down my underwear a little bit. Like, who the hell wants to do that? It's a grown man, right? You don't do that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> you know, if if you don't have time, you know, to unwrap your hair, right, and you know, and, and put on some cocoa butter, like we ain't got time for this, right? I don't have time, you know, to be, <laughs> for the for this hurry up, I, you know. I, I like I said, you know, the Uber's on on the corner, right, right. And it's, it's like it just seems to me that grown folks should be able to 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 handle this better. So hopefully in the 21st century we'll all be grown and realize we got the internet. All right, you don't need to be trying to coerce people into bad sex. We got the internet. Okay, and, and I guess Ben Crosby didn't have the internet, so it was, but it's no excuse. Yeah. It didn't mean excuse, but yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give him a half a point off. All right, because he didn't have the internet. <laughs> And I mean, he kept pretty busy, man. Ben Crosby was basically, like we said, he was the R. Kelly of 1949. So he had uh, hits. I mean, we had It's Cold Outside. He had Frosty the Snowman. He had um, <laughs> White Christmas. And all of his songs like had the same style and the same flow. You hear it. And the first thing you think is a nice Christian white family seated around a table and a Christmas tree. So that's the first thing. I don't know why it just pops into my head because even that song, like I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Uh, I used to do a parody of that for my family. Mm. I'm dreaming of a whites only Christmas. (laughs) And it didn't go over too well. It didn't go over too well for those older members of the family who remember segregation. Uh, (laughs) I imagine that that was not, that was not their funnest day of the year. Um, No, no. And and, uh, by the way, you know, we're speaking of, of, you know, so old timey and, and we had a controversy that came up just last week with regard Mm -hmm. to uh, Kevin Hart and some old timey homophobia. Uh, and we say old timey here. We're not going back to 1949. We're going back to what, what about 2012, right? 2013. <laughs> so we're not going back as far. But the bottom line is, is that he gets invited to the, uh, to, to, to host the Oscars. Right. And then people start pulling up these tweets he has from the past that, that, you know, that, that were, there's no doubt about it. They were homophobic. He called people the F word, right? The right. S word, right? You know, just, you know, indefensible stuff okay um and it became sort of a big you know you know once again because it's funny how everything has to be you know the entire country has to weigh in on every issue right it's not just being the academy right we got to all have a you know we got to go on facebook and all give our you know choose you know choose you know team lgbtq right uh team bigot whatever team we got to get on right <laughs> and, and and the thing is that, you know that that you know was interesting so kevin hart eventually says hey I think I think he did a pretty classic thing. He said, "Hey, you know what? That night is supposed to be about the, the winners. It's now going to be about me and this controversy. So I'm going to step down. I, and I apologize. I was wrong. Um, and but that didn't quite end it, right? So the, the Academy, uh, who is presiding over the Oscars, essentially had no contingency plan because the assumption was that Kevin Hart was going to be the host." And in not having a contingency plan, apparently from uh, at least from Variety Magazine's account, they are reaching out to many, many, many different 
people in a mad dash to try to secure someone in time for the Oscars. One of the names that came up on the blogs is Eddie Murphy. And apparently the Academy is very eager to get Eddie Murphy. Now, let's just uh, rewind here really quickly. Uh, If Eddie, you know, if you don't know who Eddie Murphy is, you may remember (laughs) that the donkey from Shrek, you may remember uh, uh, Hercules, Hercules from Nutty Professor. Mm -hmm. But before all of that, Eddie Murphy was a young up and coming comic with red leather, with a red leather suit on, on a comedy special called Delirious. And for everybody who thought that Kevin Hart's uh, tweets from 2009 to 2011 were unacceptable, I want you to press play on Delirious and listen to the whole thing. Like, <laughs> whole we got a little, thing. Bit, a little bit here until it, it gets too bad, which will be for the all of it. Straight up, faggots aren't allowed to look at my ass while I'm on stage. That's how he started Delirious. Remember, he had rules. <laughs> That's how right. we started the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to say any more than that. It didn't get better from there, all right? And, and, and that's the thing is, it's like, you know, they were going to go from literally the frying, you know, the little tiny frying pan to the big uh, fire. Eddie, you know, it makes Kevin Hart, right, look like, you know, one of, you know, you know, one, a member of, um, you know, the, 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 the queer eye guys. <laughs> yeah, man. Eddie Murphy was wild. And, and, and this is the thing, you know, the bigger issue here comes down to what is the, the objective of the Academy? So if right. the objective of the Academy is we want to ensure that members of the uh, LGBT community feel included and we're getting rid of Kevin Hart so that they know that, you know, we're not supportive of someone who is against the community. Then why would you get Eddie Murphy unless you just didn't do the research to know, but delirious was a big thing. So I'll be shocked. You know, it's it's shocking to know that. And it it almost seems like the Academy, quite frankly, didn't give a damn about the LGBTQ community. They, you know, said their objection to Kevin Hart, showed the evidence, said, look, this is a problem. And they just picked another black guy because they knew they said, Hey, we, we offered a black guy. We got to have a black guy. Right, we're offering right. Eddie Murphy, and they, they haven't heard about any of the comics since then, I guess. Right, um, and then the idea was that a lot of these people were thinking of Eddie as Shrek, right, and right. all the parts you mentioned, right, Daddy Daycare, you know, right. the father in, uh, you know, what was that, the, uh, you know, in the um, haunted mansion. I mean, you know, Eddie Murphy, Doctor Doolittle. It's been a long time mm-hmm. since Eddie Murphy had on a red leather suit, right, and right. so right. a lot of people have forgotten that. Right. And, um, but, but everybody hadn't. And, and so if they had picked Eddie and I don't think they, you know, they got to that point, it would have been the same controversy or worse because we've been, you know, playing these clips again. I think they have been able to avoid that. But the question I think becomes, okay, is that, you know, you look at, for instance, almost any young comedian is going to have some things in their past that are either racist, sexist, homophobic, and likely all three. Right. So do we have a statute of limitations? How far do we go back? Because remember, the Eddie Murphy thing was almost, what, now be almost 40 years ago. Right. Right? I think it was 82, Delirious was. We're talking about, you know, 37 years ago. Do we still say that, you know what, what you said 37 years ago was so objectionable that you, we, we now cannot have you in 2018? And do we do the same thing, you know, and I think it's going to be a question we've got to ask ourselves. 
which is we want people to be held accountable for their stuff. We don't want to, you know, be supporting bigots, racists, et cetera. But, you know, how far do we go back? And is homophobia something that's different than, say, racism? And the reason I I say that maybe I'm wrong about this is that for most young men in our society, we were raised with a fair amount of homophobia. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know about you, but I do know about you. We talked about this. All right. I was raised to think that the two worst things you could ever call somebody were the S word and the F word, right? Sissy Mm -hmm. and the other one, right? And, and by the way, I, even before I knew what those things were, right? I'm eight years old. I don't know. I don't have any idea what any kind of, you know, human, you know, sexual relations are with anybody, man or woman. But I know that that being, uh, you know, the F word is a bad thing. Right. I don't know what it is, but I know I've been taught that. And so most young men, I was probably, you know, my early 20s before I realized how stupid all right, I was being. But, you yeah. know, so, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if I was doing comedy, you know, at 19, I would have said something stupid like this, too. Right. And, and I think it's very important for people to understand the historic context. And I know for those of you who were listening when I was going in on Bill Cosby, um, you know, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm changing my stance, but I'm not. I, I think there's a difference between entertainment versus, you know, Spanish fly and people's drinks. I think there's a difference. I think a little bit, but, a little bit. But with, with the entertainment industry, I think particularly with comedy, your job is to make people laugh. And typically people laugh on things that are taboo. And in the 1980s, uh, homosexuality was taboo. Like we had just discovered, <laughs> apparently through the media, that uh, gay people existed, mm-hmm. uh, even though gay people have been around since the beginning of time. We had just discovered that there was this disease uh, called AIDS that was killing everybody. Uh, and, you know, every night they had, I remember um, in the early 90s, they had, uh, I think the guy's name was Ryan, but he had he made a quilt because he was dying of AIDS. Mm, yeah. Everybody adding to the quilt. So this was a big deal. This was on your nightly news. And it was something that, you know, for a lot of people, they didn't want to talk about because maybe they knew somebody who had it or maybe they were dealing with it themselves uh, and they didn't address it outright. But when you would go into a comedy club at nighttime, this was a way to laugh at some of the pain and and reduce some of the stigma, at least in your mind, of what's going on by laughing at jokes that, to, in two, 2018 standards, would not be acceptable. Right. Um, and so I think that you know you have to remember that. In in addition to that, I also think that you know I, I talk we talked about this a little before the show. I think culturally, from a a black perspective. There used to be a time where a black father raising a black son felt like all the stuff that you got to deal with just being black is going to be heavy enough. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that they felt like they could correct you, in a sense, to not engage in behavior that was going to bring on further issues with you Mm -hmm. was the priority. And I think it was coming from a lack of understanding of what is homosexuality and what does it mean? The other thing is culturally, I think that um, because of the years and years and really centuries at this point of trauma that's been imposed upon black men, we have developed this thing where we have to be strong to the point of almost being overprotective of everything that we care about. So because of that, any weakness in or any perceived weakness by society is going to be viewed as a a point of exploitation 
so that people can attack you. And it's one of those things where if you care, let's say you have a son who reveals that they're gay and you want to protect them from harm, you would in the 80s literally be fighting people every day uh, trying to protect your son from something that a parent in the 80s thought was a choice, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to what we're now learning, which is it's not necessarily a choice. Yeah, so, not at all, right? And that's so right. And I think you know that's that, you know so for for African Americans, and it's not an excuse, but 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 I think it, it gives a little more context to the to the to the bigotry or the you know the, the homophobia. It, you know, it comes from not just a standpoint of you know of of, and we have we have we have that too. You know, we have the church aspect and the idea that it's right. evil and wrong. But you also have, even if you were beyond that, just that fear, right? That this is going to be you know, it's hard enough to be black. Right. I like my son has got to be black and gay. Right. The two, you know, most hated things in society. And if you're, like I said, back then thinking that it could be a choice. Right. You could talk him out of it. Sadly, you know, spank him out, beat him out of it or whatever. You know, that would uh, that would be a, a, a rate that, you know, way that people would go. And, and, and so the idea, you know, we were, you know, as homophobic as anybody else, you know, because of partly you know, because of ignorance and partly because of that, you know, concern. Right. And the thing about black is you can't change black, but we thought you could change that one. Just like, look, right. you know, you're not bad enough. We can't get rid of this black thing, but let's at least try to get rid of that, that other thing. It, it went to the culture. But even, you know, aside from that, the question really I think has to ask ourselves is, you know, how long do we hold people accountable for that? Do we allow people to grow? And by the way, this is something that's kind of interesting because this is something that, you know, affects white people as well. So for instance, a Paula Dean. I don't know how long she was in the penalty box. I think she got out. She, she, I think she got a show back, right? She's not out with me. She not, <laughs> she's, not, she's not out. Well, because and here's the thing: Roseanne, our perfect example is: Does Roseanne get out of the penalty box at some point? No. <laughs> I'm either. No. Why? We got to have a distinction. We have a reason as to why we don't let her out of, out, out of the penalty box. I, I think it comes down to the degree of. For this case, racism that you that you express, um, like it's one thing, you know, Roseanne been out of pocket, so okay, I'm, not, right. I'm more mad with ABC right. for trying to even try it. Right, 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 right. Um, but Roseanne, I mean, this is the lady dressed up like Hitler baking Jewish cookie, uh, Jewish people cookies. Like that's that's anti-Semitic. Like you you don't get any worse than that. Right. Um, and and I feel like racism, anti-Semitism, xenophobia, all that stuff. You know, that, you know, there's there's a way professionally that I feel like people who are racist have been able to handle that. So you look at people like uh, Senator Orrin Hatch, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) you know what he thinks, but he ain't got to be on TV telling you that. right? So so, uh, I think there's a way that's professional that people go about it. And in some aspects, you want people to reveal it and others you don't. But I I would think very differently. Like, well, Paula Dean, if 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 her only flaw was the N word. As okay. livid as I would have been about that, if that was it, then I would have been like, okay. And and then there's still context. So if she was hanging out with Oprah and she got too familiar, you know, what I'm <laughs> she got she got involved. Oprah was mad, but then after a while, Oprah came out on you know a public televised show and was like, you know what? I, I talked to Paula Dean. I educated her. We're good now. Okay. I could probably deal with it because I say, all right, well they addressed it. It's been handled. It's rectified. My problem with Paula Dean is you you can't have slavery themed um, weddings 
at your freaking restaurant. Like you can't be planning it. This is to me, that's beyond the N-word. Like this is trying to recreate the most tragic and traumatizing periods of African American life for the purpose of white enjoyment. That is a problem for me. And maybe it's a mistake in Paula Dean's eyes. Maybe she's like, oh, okay, that's how things were when I was young. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But at the end of the day, I feel like there's degrees to this that you just can't come back. I don't understand enough about um, like the disrespect to the LBGT community. I don't understand enough about like kind of if the if the f bomb is the same thing as the n word to us, um, or if it carries a greater degree of weight and significance. Um, but I definitely know when you say things like if you know if my child were gay, I would kill them, like stuff like that. That stuff is, that's deeply rooted and embedded. And I don't know, I mean, everybody should be able to grow and be able to mature. But sometimes stuff you say like that, that will stick around for a long time. Because who's to trust you? It's, it's kind of like, if a, to me, the equivalent is if, if a Klansman, somebody who's in the Klan, let's, Hugo Black, right, became a Supreme Court justice, found out he was in the Klan many years before he became a justice, and they exposed it in media, right? But Hugo Black also was the guy who swore in Thurgood Marshall, and they ended up having great discussions and, and talking to each other and getting a lot of stuff changed on the bench. So, if what at what extent do we discredit Hugo Black's contribution based on his past? I would argue that if you were a Klansman, that's a commitment for life. <laughs> I can't ever trust you. I don't want to be in the same room with you. Uh, like I think that's a lifetime commitment. He went out of his way to go publicly to say that, no, I'm not committed to those ideas. I was young and stupid. Right. But you know he got the membership cards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but think about it. You know, the, the thing about it, like you just said, though, was that, you know, that I, you know his, his decisions were, you know, were helpful at times. Like you said, you know, they were, you know, mm-hmm. I think he's, he's one of the, the people, you know, the nine in, 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 in um, Brown versus Board Education. You know, it's not, you know, it, it's interesting. It's, we're gonna, I think we have to decide, you know, figure this out. It's like, okay, you know, how do we sort of deal with these ideas? Now, I usually do it this way, which is how old you are when you did it, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a believer that old dogs, you know, uh, that, you know, old dogs can learn new tricks. So my theory is like, you know, if you're grown when you say it, right? So Eddie Murphy, when he says this at 19 and 20, I'm, I'm going to give him a pass because we're all young and stupid at 19 and 20. All right. Mm-hmm. But if you're 55 and you have a slave dinner parties, I'm worried about right, you. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, right. You know, and, and so I think there's there's some of that. I look at Kevin Hart, and Kevin Hart's an interesting stage because I'm looking at you know trying to calculate his age when he's doing this stuff, and he's like in his mid 30s when he's you know you know doing these stupid stupid tweets. And here's what's what's double stupid about him. In addition to you know the homophobia, even if if they were if he wasn't using the words, it's stupid because he's arguing with individuals on his Twitter feed. This isn't Eddie Murphy saying a stand up thing that other people are going to laugh at and give him millions of dollars for. This is him ruining his career for free to argue with, you know, with, with, with J top 48 at Twitter, right? Like, you know, this is a dumb thing to do, right? So, you know, the general bottom line is like, you know, don't even argue, you know, don't do stupid stuff for free on Twitter, right? But the idea also is that in his thirties, you know, he's getting to an age where it's almost too old. If I use, you know, you know, if I call people, you know, gay slurs at 50, 50 years old, um, you know what, then you can ban me. I, I, I've obviously not learned nothing in, in a whole 50 years. I had a half a century to figure this out. Okay, I'm, I'm fine. But, you know, in your mid-30s, I'm, I'm kind of torn, 
right? And as a comedian, I'm particularly mm-hmm. torn. Let me give you an example. One of the people they were, you know, that, 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 um, Nick Cannon last week. So, so in response to this, this is a funny thing is, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I have an opinion about everything. This is not one of those hills that I want to die on. I'm like, I'm not going out for Kevin Hart here because I'm, I don't think he's right. <laughs> and I certainly don't think it's a travesty that he lost the, the, the Oscars. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's probably the right punishment. It's like fine. Uh, so I'm, you know, but, but the thing that's interesting is like Nick Cannon went all out. And so he pulled up some racist stuff from Amy Schumer. Right. And, uh, and, uh, oh God, Sarah Silverman. And both of them have racist stuff where they're kind of playing on racism, but not kind of like in a ha ha, I'm not racist. Right. Mm-hmm. But for instance, you know, you know, she's talking about, you know, Amy Schumer at, at one point, you know, she, she makes these, these things about, um, you know, about, about, you know, Latino guys. She was like, you know, sleeping with one. And, 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 and she was sort of like, you know, <laughs> I forgot, but some kind of thing like, you know, you know, you're not allowed to stay here like overnight, right? You know, that kind of stuff, right? And she's kind mm-hmm. of playing on other people's racism, but, you know, kind of like, aha, I'm not being racist, but, you know, making racist jokes and, and it's a weird kind of thing that she's doing, right? And I've seen other people do it where they'll, you know, Louis C.K. would do stuff like that. Where he would say something that would seem racist, and say, "Oh no, 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 that's not me. It's other people," and kind of acknowledging that racism exists, etc. Which I'm not necessarily upset about because I I want people to talk about racism, and if white people talk about it, it's probably better than if I talk about it, right? If if a black comic has to come out and talk about racism all every time, I don't want white people to to share some of this burden. So, so I don't have necessarily a problem with that, but it does become a weird thing with the art of comedy, where where do we get to the point where you know? Where where it, where it's art, and we sort of give a pass for that. Yeah, that that's hard for me because you know comedy. The the allure of it is that historically it was uncensored. Like this is where you go so you can hear the dirty jokes that Red Fox got to say, or the dirty jokes that Martin Lawrence has, or whatever. Like this is where you're. This is like where you really get to grow and finally put your guard down and not have to be a uh, workplace professional. Uh, you know, all day. So I, I, I want to give comedians a little more leeway. And even with um, some of the people you mentioned, like I used to be a fan of Louis C.K. pre-masturbation. Right. Um, so, <laughs> uh, before he was acting crazy, uh, I was a, a fan of Louis C.K. And, you know, he did have, like, for me, this is going to sound bad, but a tasteful racist joke is <laughs> funny to me, right? Absolutely. So I, I don't mind hearing it, and I think as long as you avoid the obvious, like you're not dropping in bombs and stuff like that, and not talking about lynching. Oh, and stuff you like know, that. he actually would though. Oh, okay. Well, now I hate him. Now so- you hate him. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I remember he 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 uses one. And he says he says, you know, I was at his coffee place the other day, and I looked at the guy. He made such a good coffee. Did such a great job. And I said, damn, that n word made the hell out of that coffee. And here's the thing: is he was a white guy. Right? It wasn't even a black guy, but I just felt this. You look at like, how the hell did this white guy get away with saying this, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in the middle of this room, and he, but he had kind of, kind of charm about him, and you, and you know, and you got the impression that from talking to his other stuff that he wasn't really racist. He kind of had some sympathy. He talked a lot about you know how bad it was for black people and how good it was for white people and unfair white privilege, and so he mm-hmm. kind of you know sort of built himself this past. Now that's one thing, I, you know, but but he wasn't you know also masturbating in front of black people, so. 
So, so yeah. you know, I, I, I give him a little more credence. If, if a woman says, I never want to hear Louis C.K. again, I respect that. I'm like, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, he, you know, he, like I said, he wasn't, he wasn't sexually, you know, assaulting and, and, you know, and demeaning and, and offending uh, black people. At least I hope not. Um, so, 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 so I, I probably have a little more leeway, but there's a question really, you know, I think we're going to have to answer with comedians is, you know, where do we go now? Kevin Hart, the reason I didn't cape for him and think of, you know, comedic license is I remember, most of these tweets that he got in trouble for were not in the context of a comedy show. He's just throwing out insults to strangers on, on Twitter that there's no, there's no, um, what would be the word for it? There's, there's no grace period or, you know, <laughs> um, you know, or what is it, safe zone, safe harbor for that, right? You know, that's just right, dumb. Right. Um, but you know, in another context, I could see it being an issue. So what, let's, let's, before we end off this, what is your statute of limitations or do you have one? Are you willing to um, give someone the benefit out to get their penalty five years in the penalty box? I, I think the only kind of measurement I want to see is what have you done since that statement okay. to All distinguish right. yourself from the statement. So the one thing I give uh, Kevin Hart credit for is he made a lot of apologies for those statements in 2013. Right, a long time ago. Right, right. So, so why um, when the academy was asking him, you know, just apologize so they can keep it moving. This is why he didn't want to apologize because he pretty much made an entire comedy tour <laughs> right. out of apologizing for these statements in t- 2009 to 2011. So at some point, I mean, he's right. At some point, like, when is enough enough? Right. Um, and then, of course, you know, it's not like the host of the Oscars. I mean, it's big money to us. You know, I wish somebody would give me $25,000 take three hours of my time. But, <laughs> but, but for Kevin Hart, he's already a millionaire. Like he's already making millions from movies. So this is more of an honor and a prestigious thing for his profession than it is for anything else. I would say that because of the apologies and because of the fact, I mean, like he doesn't have to be there. He made the right decision for himself. I think he's right. The Oscars are about people winning. It shouldn't be about him. And he really don't need that money. Like he's good. It sucks that he doesn't get this professional, you know, credential or whatever, but you know, he, he's good. But I just, I look at the, the, the apologies from 2013 and it makes me feel like, okay, you, you know, what else do people expect? I mean, let me explain this to you. My theory about this is I don't know why Kevin Hart ever took the job and here's why, because how are you going to be in 38 movies in 2013, 18, not get nominated for anything? And keep, and keep, and keep interesting people and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, this is a category I had seven movies in. They didn't nominate me, but here are the people who are good. And then do that category after category because we're talking about Kevin Hart was in everything. Kevin Hart played a woman in three movies. You didn't even know that, did you? You didn't even know that, did you? No, no, exactly. He shaved the beard off and, and he, and, and he was, uh, um, the, the, the Lapita girl. That's who he was in three movies. You didn't know that. Did you? you didn't even know that. I'm telling you, it's ridiculous how many movies. I'm looking at the movies in, they're just a crazy. So I saw Night School, Jumanji, uh, The Upside, uh, Central Intelligence, a lot of rock movies, Get Hard, Ride Along, Wedding Plant, Wedding Ringer, The, the Secret Life of Pets, Ride Along 2. Right. <laughs> this is all within the last two years, three years. Right. Mm-hmm. This guy is in mm-hmm. every damn movie. None of those movies are claimed for anything. Right. And so I'm like, you know what, Kevin? And by the way, in addition to five comedy movies. Right. And I'm like, you know what, Kevin? Just just that's not where you need to be. Right. That's not right. they don't they don't respect you. there. You go somewhere else. You do the the, the, the kids choice award. 
Are right, you the right, right size for for the Nickelodeon <laughs> Kids Choice Awards? They only had to move that microphone up or down for you. Perfect. All right, do the Kids Choice Awards. That's where you need to be. But this the Oscar, that's grown folks. You you're not, you're not responsible there. And so uh, I you know I don't feel that bad that he's uh, not doing this. Like you said, he'll make way more money that day. Uh, right. Everything is good in the universe. The last entertainment thing we had was who else did something. Uh, well, you were going to tell us about your experience with the movie The Green Book. Oh, you're right. So I saw The Green Book um, today. Uh, I don't want to give a spoiler. I, I encourage people to see it, although we'll talk about it. Um, but, you know, let me tell you what that was great about it. What was great about it was the fact that my wife stayed awake the whole movie. All right. Now, mm-hmm. as mom with four kids, uh, if you if you get the mom with four kids in a the movie theater and it get dark, um, she gonna sleep. All right. Normally, <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, snoring, snot, you know, slobber on your shirt type sleep. Uh, she stayed awake the whole time, so it had to be a great movie. Okay. Um, okay. You know, the brother, and I can't ever pronounce his name. Tell me the brother's name who started in it. There you go. Well, Ali, I can pronounce. All right. But the Mahershal part. All right. That brother's is, you know, is genius and everything. All right. Um, and so good movie. The premise is, I can tell you this, is that you have this virtuoso, uh, pianist, which is the black uh, Ali, and he hires a white guy to drive him down south to do this tour. And, you know, the big dilemma, the challenge is, is that, you know, this is, by the way, in the 50s, segregated south. And the green book is the book that had been published, um, for, for black people. So they would know the places that it was safe to stay in the South. Right. So you turn to right. Alabama, it would have all the, the, the places that were night that would, you know, decent for you. And so we're seeing, you know, the dichotomy of racism where people want him to do these virtuoso performers. He's not even doing, you know, jazz and, you know, he's doing, you know, you know, classical music for, you know, all these white people. And, and yet he can't stay at the places, right? And, and that kind of thing. So we're dealing with that type of thing, right? Some of the relationship between the two of them. Now, the thing that was amazing to me is Hollywood found a way to take that movie and make it about the white chauffeur. Mm. 75% of the stuff is about the white chauffeur and his family. And now I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me you got two people aside from it. The virtuoso black pianist, probably the greatest pianist we've produced ever. All right. Uh, maybe, with the exception of maybe Little Richard and Ray Charles, right? Um, okay. And then on the other hand, you have a, a, a chauffeur. He's not even a professional chauffeur. His job is is a nightclub bouncer. So we see him first you know, just beating up strangers, right? And, and I'm like, wait a minute. That guy gets 75% of the movie, all right? Because his story is more compelling than the one-of-a-kind black guy. Mm-hmm. Now, now, part of it is because you want white people to go to the movie, and I have to confess, especially if you want to go when I went. I went ten ten in the morning on a Wednesday. That okay. is, um, that is the early bird special of movies. All right, that that comes with cream corn. You ain't got popcorn. You ain't got popcorn. You get cream corn at ten ten in the morning. All right, you get geritol. You're not getting no diet coconut. You get geritol and cream corn, and, 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 a, and a coupon right to the hometown buffet. I mean, you're not getting. You know, this is not you know Friday night date night, right? This is you know. So so it's my wife and I in the theater, and by the way, not a lot of people. You know, twenty people in the theater at most, right? And 18 of them are, are, are white and at least at median age was deceased. That's the median age. There were a few people older than that. All right. I mean, we're talking about old, old white people. And so I guess the theory is that they needed somebody to be able to, to, to help them, you know, get into the movie. And they couldn't possibly relate to this black virtual. So former, so they had to get the white guy. 
the, 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 I guess the, the truth of the matter is that that might have been the calculation, but part of the reason is that the story was sold to Hollywood and written by the chauffeur's son. So he doesn't know anything about the black guy, but what his father told him, the few things the father told him about it. Now, the family complained and said, hey, you know, we were here. We, we got, we're, we're listed. You could have called right. us. Right. right. <laughs> Pick up the phone, Tyrone. Right. And call me. Right. Yeah. And Tyrone didn't call. He just wrote a movie about the white guy. And, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier. This is not the first time that a black person has been mostly written out of the movie about their life. <laughs> right. This is classic. So for those of you all who may remember the movie Marshall about Thurgood Marshall, which is an excellent movie, mm-hmm. but uh, it shows a muted Thurgood Marshall, <laughs> muted by court order, uh, who has to then practice law vicariously through his white co-star, uh, even to the point that I think by the end of the movie, they had him on a train in another state. So right. he was, so when, when the case is being decided, right? He's like, he's not even there, right? Now he does, I love about this. They had, you know, Thurgood Marshall, just so you understand, you know, his, his, his record. And I, I looked this up recently and it blew my mind. Thurgood Marshall, um, you know, his, his litigation record. That wasn't the only case he'd ever been in. Right, right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you know, Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall. I, I, you know, I, I'm looking at it here, and I want to see what his his record was before the court. Because remember, before, after he did, you know, after he was with the NAACP, he was the Solicitor General for the U.S. He was the person who, in U.S. versus so and so who represents the U.S. Right, and and and, and his record, brother. So these are cases that he's not even picking, and he's still winning like all the time. Right. In, in cases where he's not even, you know, has a choice here. And somehow the, so all the cases we could have done, the hundreds of cases, or at least, you know, the, the several, I think it's near a hundred cases that we could have had 30 years of victories. They picked a case that wasn't Supreme Court. It wasn't important. It wasn't even an important case. Right. Mm-hmm. So that they could make sure the white guy had something to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you should, I guess, as as a black person watching movies, you should be used to it. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've seen, I think Kevin Costner is the star in about 28. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the Hidden Figures, right? He's, he's, he's the hero in Hidden Figures. When he, when he, oh, by the way, all he does, by the way, sisters are, are calculating the trajectory to send the damn spaceship up. All he does is is knock down the, 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 the what, the white only sign in front of the bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, sledgehammer. He didn't use math to do it. He didn't use math. He used sledgehammer, and somehow he the goddamn hero. What's the square root of segregation? <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! So yeah, so you got that. I mean, even going back to like Cleopatra and Elizabeth Taylor somehow being tapped as the person who looks. Phonetically, at least the closest to, <laughs> to Cleopatra, so they say. Um, so you know, it's just one of those things where you you see a lot of whitewashing in Hollywood. I'm, I haven't seen Green Book. I'm actually kind of uh, impressed they pulled that off, considering the fact that this Green Book, this is a real thing. This was legit life or death for black right. travelers in the 40s and 50s, and the fact that they could just like overlook that for the purpose. Like, what was the purpose of even calling it the Green Book? 
Like, why would you call that? It is about this this white guy who's a bouncer slash security. Oh, uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 absolutely bizarre. But, you know, and and so you know, think about them. They only actually, matter of fact, they only referenced you know the Green Book a couple times. Right? I think he looked at it twice. You know, it wasn't even like mm-hmm. you know the biggest part of them staying in, in in hotels. It was you know it was a relationship between the two of them how they bonded. And here's things I had a conversation with someone about it because I was like, you know what. And she was, she loved the movie. She's like, you know, this important movie because, you know, you know, she treats white people because this one white guy sort of overcame his prejudices. And to me, it was like, we can't, it, we can't do one white guy at a time anymore in 2018. Right. Right. right? The 300, the 200 million white guys. I mean, how, I mean, or at least 100 million. How do we can do one white guy at a time? Or we got to start doing groups together. Right. And, and the idea that, you know, that they were trying to basically say that, you know, that this is an improvement and, and there were some systemic issues that were brought up there that, you know, she thought most people would just miss. I'm like, those are the issues. But because of Hollywood's importance of making every story personal, right? Yeah. It has to be about an individual. We have to have information about that information. They don't even have to do anything with a larger issue. Right, but we got to know so and so's husband cheated on him, and so and so's got a, you know a bad left foot, and you know, and and it's like it can't be the case where we can just look at it at larger societal issues. Hey, you know, all these people in this room are wrong. We got to have you know certain mm-hmm. villains, right? That person's a villain, but that person's okay. And uh, you know, as a result, you know, I, I think most of the people are going to miss the, the point. They're going to think it's it's all about one white guy who overcame his prejudice. And by the way, it's pretty easy to overcome your prejudice if you happen to be with uh, the most brilliant black guy in the world. Right. Not only right. was, 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 was Dr. By the way, you didn't give his name. Dr. Don Shirley. All right. Is really, you know, the brother, look him up. Um, who, you know, the virtuoso pian- pianist, but he also had a, a he's Dr. Don Shirley because he's a PhD in psychiatry or psychology, psychology. Mm-hmm. This is a man who spoke several languages. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, not just like, oh, Spanish, Italian, you know, Portuguese, the ones that rhyme with each other, you know, the, the, the romance language. But this guy speaks Russian or Italian, English, I think German, you know, like, you know, <laughs> language that have nothing to do with each other. Probably a little Chinese, Mandarin, right? You know, a guy who has, you know, these incre- incredible intellect. And it's like, oh, wow, the one white guy overcame his prejudice to, like, yes, that guy was 10 times better than him. Of course he should have been. <laughs> Right. If, if you need that, if you need Dr. Don Shirley to overcome your prejudice, well, goddamn, we got problems, all right? We only got about three Don Shirley's out there, right? Right. right. Barack Obama. Yeah. Thank you, right? And oh, if we had gosh. Neil deGrasse Tyson, but he can't seem to try to keep his hands on people, so we might have to uh, give him up too. Um, but we got Michael Eric Dyson, right? And, and Cornell West. We, we, we don't have enough, right? You know, to, to be able to do this. And, and so hopefully we can get to a point where one, and here's the thing is, the truth of the matter is this, is black people have to start telling their own stories. Absolutely. Representation matters. And I never really understood that at first. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. As long as the story gets told. No, no, no. If the story doesn't get told by us, then basically we're going to be a bit part, right, in it. And by the way, we'll be lucky if they let us star in us. Because you know that if you are, because you're black, they won't, you know, make cast a white actor unless it's Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. But right. realize, if you anything else, the, the remember, the, the, the last samurai was Tom Cruise. All right. The Mexican was Brad Pitt. Right? So, so, so if you're not black, 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 all right, then they will whitewash you out of completely and put a white actor in there. All right. Um, and so we just, you know, we're just happy that we get a black actor, get a part. 
but we need to right. be writing the stories, directing them, producing them, because otherwise, you know, we're going to be a bit player in our own history. Right. And and what's funny is the rules only work one way, too, because the moment that Idris Elba was trying to be James Bond, they said, oh, that day. <laughs> It's like double O nothing. Still white director, still right acting to everything else, right? It was like, no, 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 right? We can't have none of that, right? I I want to see the remake of uh, The Passion of Christ, all right? Oh, oh. So (laughs) we talked about this earlier, too. The the number of of movies that show a blonde, blue-eyed Jesus are hilarious to me. So much to the point, you know, I guess this might be getting into a sensitive topic for people, but uh, I know black folks who have pictures of a white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus <laughs> in their house that <laughs> they pray to, and it's the weirdest thing in the world. Uh, a, you know, obviously this is the Middle East. I don't know how many, you know, people have actually been exposed to anybody in the Middle East, but you know, <laughs> uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guys walking around in the Middle East. Uh, then on top of that, you know, I always think about, you know, pe- the, the tragedy of his last moments as a human being before <sighs> deification. And uh, <laughs> I think about all the stuff that he went through, uh, being nailed to a cross, being hung up for the world to see, being uh, pierced in the side with a spear while he was being hung up. And it just resonates with me as a black person from the South. It just <laughs> resonates with me so much more. I just don't understand. I don't make the correlation as to how people can, you know, characterize him as something different than either a uh, Middle Eastern man or okay. just a straight up white man. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this. And the very bottom line is this, is that you will ruin the entire white supremacy. All right. You can't have white supremacy and a black or brown Jesus. How in the world would it says that God created man in his own image? All right. Do you have a black Jesus, a black God, but white people run everything? That doesn't work, right? You gotta, you, you gotta make the God white too. Otherwise you can't do, you can't pull. How are you gonna have slavery? The slaves look like Jesus. And, 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 right? <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, and you be, you know, some, some weird color that Jesus wasn't, um, but somehow be the master. It doesn't work. You know, and, and so you can't have the, 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 the you're going to ruin the whole capitalism. Stop it. All right. You're, you're, you're ruining the world. I'm, I'm trying to get me some, you know, so, 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 some Nikes here. You can't, I can't get Nikes and, <laughs> and a black Jesus. Uh, stop it. Now I would like, all I would like is a brunette Jesus. <laughs> with maybe a little bit Italian, like, you know, Greek, you know, a little swar- you know, swarthy, um, you know, just because the other Jesus is just stupid. Uh, it, 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 you know, <laughs> you can't have, you know, Jim Morris, you, you can't have, you know, this blonde, you know, um, you know, Pamela Anderson, like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it, it just makes the pictures look dumb. Right. Um, especially you know, I love to try to do the passion of Christ where they kind of realize that. So, you know, it's like half people in passion of Christ were people of color. Right. But, you know, the ultimate Jesus guy still had to be kind of be kind of be white. <laughs> here's the here. Here, I think it's a compromise. Seth Curry. <laughs> that should be the new Jesus. All right. Seth Curry. And I think that'd be a good compromise for everybody. Everybody likes hey, Seth. 
Hey, who knows? Jesus might have had a killer three. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now you get now you get blasphemous. Damn it, we need, we need to get going. <laughs> I would like to get home tonight without lightning in my car. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm so we've saying, solved I mean, all the Hollywood issues. We even got into religion, spirituality. You want to talk about uh, politics too, and get do the whole trifecta? Well, we, you know, we're just going to make this short and sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. So, if you were watching the news today, you saw that Michael Cohen called his three years uh, for a variety of what I would consider to be uh, white collar crimes uh, in the federal court system. So he'll be doing three years in prison. But the biggest takeaway from that is he had a press conference in which he says that basically Donald Trump steered him into uh, a a dark tide of bad things that he was doing all at the president's direction and that now he feels more free than he ever did before. Remember, let's not remember, he's not the president. He is individual one. Right. Uh, right. Right. Individual one, by the way, I have to confess, I came to a conclusion yesterday that he's an alien. Um, he, he cannot have been born on this planet. I got proof. Here, here's why. He argued yesterday that um, what he did didn't happen. But if he did, it wasn't that bad. And even if it was that bad, it was civil, not criminal. Now, you do understand that this is how this would this would be like. All right. You going to to your lovely wife and saying, baby, uh, there are no women on a Duke faculty with me. And by the way, uh, the women that are there are ugly. And, and, and by the way, all right, there might be some women there, um, but I'm just sleeping with them. I'm in love with you. Uh, <laughs> if you try that in your house, you get a divorce. And guess what? I'm going to get a divorce, too, because my wife's going to divorce me for hanging out with you. That's how bad that would be. <laughs> She's like, oh, I can't trust you no more. You hang out with that fool. You need to be on birds of a feather. Right? That's how bad it would be if I tried, if I, you tried that or I tried that. It's ridiculous that a grown man stood there and said, I didn't do it, but if I did do it, it wasn't that bad. Like, you can't do those two. Right, right, right. Well, you know, and, and we were talking about this earlier as well. Like, what's interesting is, how do you have a plea deal where you've given up such great information on all the issues and collusion and paying off um, porn stars or whatever that the president was doing? But yet you still got three years and everybody else who's snitching hasn't been sentenced. <laughs> 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 if, if that was a weird thing to me where he's, I'm like, damn, you should have had different lawyers. You should have at least gotten, you know, because now you can't even get a pardon from Trump. Like, at least Manafort got possibly the pardon of Trump coming up, but Trump has been calling you names all on the paper. Um, now, Flynn, man, I got to get his lawyer. Next time I get a ticket, I'm calling his lawyer. He 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 damn near got Flynn negative time like other people owe Flynn time. <laughs> Flynn got another six seven months added on to his life. Um, yeah. I don't even get how he got that deal. Um, and we haven't heard none of this stuff yet. We haven't heard none of this stuff yet, which is the weird part. Like at least we know, for instance, from Cohen about individual one. We don't even know what what what, what Trump's you know uh, mob name is. Right, right? right from right. Flynn, we don't know nothing. Uh, man, Flynn got good lawyers. I got to get one of them. <laughs> He's going to be a hero when it's all said and done. He's going to stand there and salute at his testimony. And then he's going to sit and stand. He's going to say, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Apparently, they can handle the truth because they're not even sweating. I thought Flynn would be the last one to crack because he knows the Russians. And he know damn well if he want to be eating anything but top ramen soup that he cooked 
for the rest of his life, uh, you don't mess with the Russians. I don't know about you, but I ain't saying nothing. Vladimir, if you're listening, you you go, you go, all right with me. I ain't saying nothing about you because I like to eat at restaurants and uh, I, I like to make sure that, uh, it, you know, it, 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 it's only, you know, it's, it's only regular food poisoning, not your kind of poisoning. You're doing, you're doing serious stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, man. So who knows, man? My, I think my favorite out of this whole thing is is Uncle Paulie right now. Because uh, Uncle Paulie, he's he already played me. He started lying on. <laughs> so I'm gonna make sure I solidify my pardon. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna tell them everything they want to hear, but none of it's gonna be true. So, uh, <laughs> and you know, the saddest part, though, of course, is that all oh, we do all of this, we get all excited. I got people all day long sending me stuff, but just not just Facebook on everything, but sending me stuff. And, and, and I don't know how to break it to. Let's break it to him now publicly because we both know the answer. Uh, Donald Trump is not getting impeached. Nope, 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 nope. It's not happening. I, I don't, don't get to exactly. If you get the evidence of Donald Trump agreeing to the conclusion, collusion while holding a pa- a copy of that day's newspaper in his hand, right? <laughs> it, 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 I don't care what kind of emails and tweets you got. I'll give you a picture of him. him and, the only thing that'll get Donald Trump impeached is if we find out he's black. <laughs> You know, and I mean, not, you have saying he's very black, but eighth, eighth, Octoroon, he's gone. But other than that, he is going to be, he's going to serve out his term. Right. And if he's not getting impeached, y'all damn sure know ain't going to be no jail time. I don't know. <laughs> what are these people talking about? When does indictments come down? We're ready to lock him up. I'm like, okay. You don't understand how whiteness works. In the <laughs> they, then he's like, now he might get some 258 years from now, posthumously. You know, like think about, it, we couldn't get the people who killed him Emmett Till in jail, right? How do you right. go? Get, he go him in jail, right? Right. You know, the lady lives in Raleigh. Like I, every every day, I'm like, I should just drive over. There. <laughs> Leave the lady alone, man. Leave the lady alone. Not that she deserves it, but you know, I can't. I, I'm gonna do the podcast by myself. I right, just leave the lady alone. <laughs> Right, because next thing I know, she'll call the police and tell them I did something. And then it'll be a whole I don't know why you drive around there. You know you ain't allowed to be over there after dark. <laughs> Make sure you're going by the street lights. Uh, yeah, hey, yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much. We went a little long, but I think it was worth it. And we'll see you whenever we do. All right. And if we don't hear from you, Merry Christmas. Oh, that's right. Happy Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs>